0: Eye on the Empire, episode three hundred and fifty-three. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In an empire of lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military industrial complex. By the military industrial complex. What's up, y'all? Ray here, your host of I Am the Empire, coming to you from the country where people are so unlikely to think critically that they wear a face mask driving alone in their car. And when you're driving down the road and you see somebody walking down the side of the road alone outside, they're still wearing a face mask. And when you're sitting at your kid's soccer game outside, six feet from everyone else, everyone else is wearing face masks as well. And um, nobody has even... I, I, I wonder, I really do... Wonder if these people even read anything on, you know, like if they read anything about what to do with regards to face masks and so forth. Like there, I don't know that there was ever a rule or a recommendation from the CDC that you're going to be wearing face masks outside unless you're like in like maybe a concert event or something like that and still I haven't seen anything that shows that they're you know 100% effective or anything more than about 20 maybe 25% effective tops at spreading the virus and that's kind of uh, up in the air as well whether that's what would like if, if that's something that's stopping the spread of the virus or whatever and then I listened today I was listening to that one uh, doctor that wrote the original thing back in January of 2020 that said there'd be like 5 million dead in England if this thing continues at the rate it was going, and it just scared everybody else. They called him Dr. Lockdown. I can't remember what his name is, but now he's saying and calling out, like he was did a live session today, and he's saying that this new variant that's out in Massachusetts is five times more um likely to spread or something like that than than the current virus that is spreading around the world so i think he said the current virus has about a 0.8 uh pc or not pcr rate i can't remember i think it's that like rr uh how much how how quickly it spreads so if i have it i'm going to spread it to 0.8 people at this point that's what it is that's what the current virus is at and it originally started at like a three so a Whatever that level is of three, which is if I have it, I'd spread it to three other people, and then those three other people will spread it to three other people and so forth down the road, and that's why it spreads so quickly across the world, whereas the flu is about one, and I think that's uh, or one point five or something like that, and that's generally um, the flu will spread relatively quickly, but it's not as as um, contagious as the coronavirus is, or as the, yeah, it, the coronavirus is way more more deadly and way more likely to spread among people. I think that's the the terms that they were using. But this guy says that this new variant has a level of five. So if I have it, it'll spread to five other people. And that's kind of the, um, the scare tactic, tactics that they're sort of using right now in order to Get people to continue to lock down and so forth. And I don't know that there's like a huge conspiracy to lock down. I think that somehow there is a lot of people that got really, really scared in the beginning. And then there's such little critical thinking out there that we're sitting here in a situation now where everyone's so scared and all these governors are so terrified to make the wrong decision and stuff like that that they don't want to unlock things. That's how it was in 2020. Now it's starting to. They're all starting to relax a little bit. But there's still this overwhelming fear out here right now. And if you really think about it, we're way safer than we were, per se, in April, May, June, July last year. Because a lot of people already got this thing in America. And then you also have about 10 to 15% of the population that have had both of the shots in like... Like, I think it's about 26, 27% of Americans who have had at least one shot. So they're even less likely to get the virus and spread the virus. So you have upwards of, I would say 30% of people, maybe even more than that, that have already had the virus because a lot of people just never get tested that have it with no symptoms. So if you have 25 million Americans that have already had the virus that have already had the virus and it's been proven that they've had it because they've been tested for it and these are PCR tests that are way too um, too sensitive as it is that they're doing these tests with so you have 25 million Americans that have, that have had the virus and you can assume that there's actually double that that have actually had the virus or more So if you take that plus 50, you know, you have 100 million people in America, a third of the population, I would say probably more like a half of the population that have already had it, plus 2 million more people being vaccinated every single day. And you're looking at a situation where I think probably they say 33% of people have a natural immunity to it as it is, and that might be stating it pretty high. So you're looking at a position where you have 20% of people that could possibly pass it to you. So if you come into contact with 10 people in a day, two of them might be able to even give it to you, and then they're even less likely to give it to you. That's why you see the numbers just dramatically dropping since about January 8th. But that's just me going out on a tangent. I wasn't even meaning to talk about this, guys, but I'm sitting here in a situ- like where I'm just observing What's going on? And I was driving down the road today and I see a lady in the car with her, you know, with her kid. And they both have the mask on. The kid's like two. And they both have masks on driving down the road together. And then I'm driving down the road. I see someone walking down the road alone on a road that's being built. So uh, there was they were probably 20 yards off the road that I was driving down on. And this guy's walking down the road with a mask on as well. And I'm just thinking to myself, these people literally have zero critical thinking skills whatsoever. They are the most, and I said this, I believe on the last show, they are low information people who don't think critically. They don't question what's being told to them. They just do. That's all they, they just do. And that's it. And it's just really... Really interesting, um, it's absolutely interesting. Um, not everyone looks for information like we do, I guess. I mean that's got to be the that, that's got to be it. Not everyone looks for information. they're happy just going through life listening to music, which I love listening to music. I listen to music a lot. They're going through life just watching TV, just being entertained. Drinking, doing drugs, whatever they're doing, just entertaining themselves, not thinking about real life, just expecting things to come to them, hoping for that $1,400 check that's going to change their life, according to Nancy Pelosi. That's going to raise a person in poverty's income by 20% this year. Like, these people, they just... Don't think. And then you have politicians who cater to that type of person right there. A person that isn't going to think critically about anything that's said. These politicians are going to sit there and really think that $1,400 is going to be life changing for somebody. So you have $1,400 in a, in a check from the government, all of a sudden your life is changed? I don't think so, guys. I don't think that's going to be life changing for anybody. And then you have an economy that is starting to pick back up again. And they're going to throw $1,400 checks out there. And I just imagine the inflation is going to go crazy. I saw something from Jeffrey Tucker today that was posted on on Twitter. And he just posted the um, velocity of money over the last, I think it looks like the last 40 years or so. This velocity of money thing. And uh, velocity of money, when I say that, that means... How fast the money that comes into the system gets spent, right? How fast that money gets spent into the economy. So the qu- the speed of transaction—that's what the velocity of money means—and that's a that directly causes inflation. So you can just print money. If you just print all the money in the world and just sits there in a in a um, you know in someone's closet. You, you print a trillion dollars and it sits there in a, in a closet or it's just a, a trillion dollar coin and it never gets spent. It's not going to really cause inflation. It's not, it's not even in the, in the economy. So then you put it into the economy in some way. And if you put it into the economy, what, what comes out slowly, like through loans to businesses or through loans to corporations and so forth, like the corporation might take that money as a loan but they might sit on it. They might have it just as excess capital. They might use it for other stuff, but it's not going to be speedily. They're not going to spend it swiftly. And that so, the, so maybe it doesn't affect the economy as much. It doesn't affect inflation as much. But you make interest rates super low and then everyone starts running to buy cars so that money gets spent fast. So then the inflation goes up on cars, but it wouldn't go up on milk so the velocity of money can hit for certain sectors in some ways so then you have a situation where you just throw out 14 hundred dollar checks to people and the ones that got hit back in back in april of last year a lot of people were out of work a lot of people are uncertain so they say a lot of people saved that money it didn't affect the economy that much it didn't cause inflation really fast now, I do know in the automotive world, because that's the industry that I'm in, it did cause the cars, especially used cars, the, the cost of a used car went up significantly over the course of last year because a lot of people took those $14, $14 checks and they took them and uh, and took out a, a larger loan to buy a car. They used that as a down payment or they went out and bought a car for cash. So you just had a situation where that money quickly got spent in that way but then a lot of people were out of jobs, so it didn't... I mean, Tom Wood said it. He, he said he made a mistake one time when he was thinking that it would cause inflation, but then he realized, well, hold on, no, because a lot of people saved that money or spent it on stuff that they otherwise would have bought in the first place, but they were out of a job, so they didn't have the extra $1,400, so they took that money and spent it. But the more the government prints, the more likely that velocity point is going to tick up, and that's what... Jeffrey Tucker sent out a um, something on the on Twitter, and it was just showing the velocity of money. And the velocity of money is like super low right now. It's down twenty five percent from what, it, what from what it was last year. I think I don't, I'm not sure exactly how to, how to read the graph. But when he looked at the graph, it was just a you know it, it was a zigzag line around the baseline of zero. So the velocity of money is up four percent, down three percent, up four percent, and so forth. And it just showed. During the con, during um, right before recessions, the velocity of money goes up, so you start having that inflation. Which then uh, you see during the during the recession, you'll start seeing the velocity of money go down. So then you start seeing deflation in some way because of the um, because of the economy being in shambles or whatever. So right now it is way 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 down, twenty five percent less. But that's because people get their money and they save it now because there's a lot of uncertainty. But imagine when things are back to normal, and the and the economy starts heating back up, and all that money is sitting on the sidelines, possibly. What's going to happen then? Then you're going to start seeing inflation. So that's kind of scary, right? But these politicians play to that, man. They really do. Right now, they just passed this $1.9 trillion spending plan. And I look at um, Thomas Massey. I follow him, and I was just reading something that he wrote, and he says that... Um, Back in April, they passed this $2 trillion spending plan because they wanted to make sure it is a big, bold plan so that we don't have to do another one. Big, bold plans, we don't have to do another one. So they passed that one, then they passed another one. And now they passed this one. So he's like $6 trillion later. Did we not go big enough originally? No, this is all about politics. This is all about catering to the low information voter, the person that doesn't understand. What this can do to the economy, that what this can do to the national debt, that it's not just the government printing money, it's not just the government, you know, sending money. No, it's literally the government borrowing money against the full faith and credit of the, of the nation, or whatever. And that full faith and credit is going to start going down, and some at some point, people are not going to trust it around the world to buy the bonds and everything. But here we are, near a $30 trillion debt at this point in this country. And uh, you're not on the hook for it. You are not. Like, we're going to live our lives, guys. We are. Like, you and me, people that are alive today, in general, we're going to live our life. But it's the kids. It's the people that are younger. It's, it's, It's my kids. It's my kids' kids. It's, you know, the kids that are anywhere under under 10 right now, under 15 right now, they're going to be coming into a world that's poorer. They're going to be living a, in a world where they're not going to have the same opportunities that you and I did or same opportunities that our parents had because there's less freedom and there's more taxation. There's more confiscation of wealth so that the government can pay for its overwhelming spending. That's the world that we're going to be living in. It really is. That's the world that they're going to be living in. They're going to, there's going to be politicians that are talking about confiscating your 401k or your IRA if they can. There's going to be politicians that come in and say, we need to make it so that we're taxing these old people more that have saved all this money. But they're, they're also going to look at ways to print money because that's a tax on wealth without you realizing it. Because the more money they print, the higher inflation goes, and and the easier it is for the government to tax more to pay down that debt in some way. But they don't ever pay down the debt, you know that. So that's what we're gonna be living in, and the politicians don't care. They just want to get reelected today. That's all they care about is getting their reelection campaigns donations to their campaigns so that they'll sit there and be able to be reelected in 2 years or 6 years. And the Democrats they'll sit there and and say I mean with the with the vote that happened today for the 1.9 trillion dollar bailout package or whatever Like, it was along party lines. One Democrat came over and voted with the Republicans. But it was along party lines. Not a single Republican voted for it. And that's completely, complete partisanship going on in Washington, D.C. right now. We're sitting there um, voting for a $2 trillion stimulus. And Dancy Pelosi is going to sit there and say, I can't believe these people would not vote for this thing. But... Let's be honest with ourselves and realize that, like, that is a huge amount of money to be spending without debate, without anybody on the other side supporting it, whatever. Like, this is way outside the government's wheelhouse, and there's all kinds of crap that's packed into that thing, and... I mean... It's all to buy more votes. It really is. It's like, we're doing something for the people. That's what they're saying. We're doing something for the people. So look at us. We are the people. We're on the side of the people, and those Republicans are evil and they don't care. Like, that's the way it's spun. And if you read newspaper articles, it's the same thing that you see. Like, they'll sit there and say, and the Democrats, this, and oh, yeah, they're, you know, they're trying to help out. Like, newspaper articles who. If you're writing for a news agent, like a news organization, you're supposed to be somewhat uh, unbiased, right? Which we all know that's not true. But at least at least try to pretend, right? So you're going to give the Democrats' side of it as they're trying to help the people, and you're going to give the Republican side of it saying that they are not wanting to help people or something. Like, that's the way that the newspaper articles are being read or written about this situation. When there is honest reasons why you should not pass 2 trillion dollars there is legitimate criticism for it which nobody talks about but then here we are right and it will affect, there will be negative effects but I've talked about that before, you guys know that Um, let's get on to the topic that I really wanted to talk about today though and it's a book that I'm reading, and it's about, um, the loss of democracy, I guess, and we talk about democracy being a failed institution, um, just because if you think about democracy, it really is, you know, the people, the, the, the majority rules, so I've always heard it said like this, and it's, it's kind of, uh, a terrible way to say it, but it's true, like, you know, three, three people are there, one guy, or two guys, one girl, and, um, uh, I don't want to say it like that, but you guys get the, get the point, right? Like democracy overrules in that sense, or we're all sitting around the dinner table. This is a little bit easier one to put down. We're all sitting around the dinner table at a restaurant and nine people vote that I pay for the bill, you know, so because of that, I have to pay for the bill. No, I mean, that's not, that that's, that's how democracy is, um, is exploited i guess that, that that's the negative of democracy that the the majority rules and that could be a bad thing so that's why we have constitutions that's why we have a democracy where there's there's rules that are laid out ahead of time so in the democracy of the restaurant world where you're going to go out to dinner with your friends right the 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 rule is that whenever we go out for dinner everyone pays for their own unless somebody on ahead of time says so that they're going to pay for it. Like that's there there's no democracy when it comes to y'all voting into my pocket. So we have stated rules. We have we have rules and regulation or rules and order that we live by in that sense. So you would write it out in a constitution. What are the rights of man? What are the rights of the people and so forth? And then you would do that and so then and then you would probably have a situation where the majority cannot just overrule it and say, okay, so um, now it's okay to steal from people. We have a rule that says there's no stealing from people and that's what we're going to do. But now we're going to have a rule that you can steal from people. Like the majority can't just overwhelmingly say that you might set a a law up or something like that or a rule that would say if there's a 75% of the people say something, then yeah, then we have a supermajority. But we live in a republic. We always talk about that. People kind of, you know, um, say republic means representative. So we're going to have representatives that are going to represent us, um, as a, so as groups. So you might have a hundred thousand people with one represent representative that's going to, um, that's going to represent 100,000 people or something like that. I mean, the way that America's set up is is a little bit weird because we used to have it set up, I think it was where one congressperson would represent 10,000 people, but then the population got way too big. So now it's like one congressperson might represent like 2 million people or something like that, or 2 or 3 million people. So it's not even really representative in that sense, right? Um, but that's the type of country that we live in we don't i mean democracy the book that i'm reading right now is about how democracy kind of like is is putting on the wayside through the totalitarianism of the right but also the totalitarian of the left and i was just listening listening to the book because it kind of goes both ways the person that's writing it um it's called the twilight of democracy the person that wrote it is clearly an anti-trump supporter or anti-trump person there are clearly somebody who comes at this issue from the left per se, but you really get a sense that this swings both ways uh, when you listen to her, even though she does talk a lot about um, negatives on Trump and the way that he is trying to, um, or was trying to like take certain democratic functions out of our society and so forth. Uh, But anyway, let me get into what... I want to talk about because you'll, you'll see a little bit of, um, or you'll see what I mean when I say the way that she's writing it, that you could take it from the left as well. Cause like right now, what we're having happen in America after Trump is even out of office is the same situation, um, with the silencing of the media, the media silencing people and so forth. So it says, um, from or, She says, For- from Orwell to Kessler, the European writers were obsessed with the big lie, communism. She so was referring to communism. So the people in the communist countries referred to communism as the big lie, the state control of the economy, the state control of everything. You had to have this big lie that the state is trying to... Per- say that, look, it, everyone is following us. Everyone's okay with us. Everyone's happy with what's going on. You have these big, huge parades and these parties and stuff, and they called that the big lie. Because they all knew that it wasn't true. But nobody could say something, is what she said. And you had that in the communist regimes of Eastern Europe and in Soviet Union. You had it in China. You have it in North Korea. This big lie that everyone knows is a lie. Like there's so much food they per- they pretend that there's so much food yet everyone's starving in the streets. People are waiting in bread lines. But they they're 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 taught this because they have to follow a certain rule because they're terrified if they don't. And it says she says they required prolonged violence. So the big lie requires prolonged violence to impose and the threat of violence to maintain. So you have to have a situation where Stalin starves out the Ukrainians and kills 2 million people over a prolonged amount of time. You have to have a situation where the Gestapo or the, the, the people will come in the night and take you from your house and arrest you and send you to Siberia or to the gulags. Like you have a prolonged violence to impose this communist rule. And you have the threat of violence to maintain it. That's what she said. You have the threat of violence to maintain it. And it's absolutely true. So everybody is afraid. And I read this book. There's this book that I read. It's called um, Breaking Stalin's Nose. And in the middle of the night, the kid's father gets taken away by the Gestapo. Not the Gestapo, sorry. This wasn't about Nazi Germany. Uh, I think that was where the Gestapo was from. It was the, um, the police would come in the night and they took his father... And they said that the entire, like he said that the entire society, they'd be scared. They knew that people would be taken in the night, but they were scared to say something because there was a threat of violence constantly. You knew if you stepped out of line in Nazi Germany that you would be taken at the night, in the night. You knew that if you were somebody who spoke out against the government, you would have some problems. And if you do that in China, you have lots of problems, even today. And you know in North Korea, I heard this, I can't remember who said it, oh Michael Malice said it uh, on a podcast I was listening to, he said that in North Korea, you have a situation where everybody on a weekly basis, if you're in school, everyone will stand up and you have to tell people what you did wrong that week. And you have to stand up and say it. And then you will sit there and say what other people did wrong as well. And everybody points to each other and says what they did wrong and what I did wrong. And that's the way that they, that they keep people in line. But there's the threat of violence that goes along with that. That's how you maintain the communist system. But then this is what, this is what wording that really interests me. It says, they required forced education, total control of all culture. The politicization, politicization of journalism, sports, literature, and the arts. And I thought about that, and I'm like, they required forced education. Obviously, we've had that in America, where you have to go, get, go to school. You have to follow certain rules. And we're getting even further away from it, where people are trying to attack home schools or private schools now. We have a situation where it feels like we're moving that way very slowly, right? Like we don't have the prolonged violence to impose. Not as much. We don't have the threat of violence to maintain right now. But we do have the threat of violence to maintain in some ways, right? Think about it. If you are in your, if you step out of line and you say the wrong thing, you have the cancel culture right now, right? That's sort of the threat of violence. These people are going to go after you and try to attack you in some way. It's a soft violence, absolutely, but it's still violence in some way if you say the wrong thing. If you stray over the 3 by 5 cart or 3 by 5 card of allowable opinion, as Tom Woods would say, like, you're in a situation where You have that threat of violence. So we have forced education. They want total control of all culture. And that is exactly the totalitarianism that the left wants right now with the cancel culture, the extreme far left. That's what you see in the Biden White House right now, total control of all culture. They want the politis- politis- polit- politicalization of journalism, of course. We already have that significantly. If you watch Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, there's not anything except for Washington, D.C. all day, every day. Washington, D.C., it's all about politics. There's not news that's going on around, the, around America. You might see that on your on your local news station, but it's been politicized completely. Sports? Sports have been politicized now. We're getting there, right? We're getting there. You can't even call the Washington Redskins the Washington Redskins now. We have to have a little bit of um, sympathy. Not sympathy, but um, we have to worry about hurting somebody's feelings because of that. So you can't have the Washington Redskins. They're going to probably get rid of the... Uh, Cleveland Indians next, you, so the Florida State Seminoles. But, hey, I'm okay with the Florida State Seminoles uh, going away. I'm, I'm a Florida Gators fan for football. So if you listen to the show long enough, you know that. But, yeah, so we've had the politis- politicalization of sports. You see it with the NBA now. You see it with these NBA stars. You see it with a lot of football stars now. They want to talk about politics. They want to talk about being on the right side of things. Now, I'm okay with somebody standing up and saying, hey, we don't want... Don't get me wrong. I'm okay with somebody standing up and saying, hey, I'm not a private individual saying, hey, I'm not okay with police brutality. Like, you guys know my feelings on that. Because there is an overwhelming amount of police brutality in some ways. I think it's not just on the African-American population. I think it's on the entire American population. And that we need to have... Ways to mitigate that, we do need to have ways to to fix those things, for sure. That is important. I think that, and I and I said this during the show before. Um, whenever the whole thing happened with um, with last year's you know the the riots, saying that it was all about racism, it wasn't all about racism. It clearly was not all about racism. That George Floyd had a had a had a, a knee on his neck. For nine and a half minutes. People say oh well he died from a heroin overdose or whatever. But in that case they should have been taking that guy to the hospital then. Yes he was he was probably in a rage in some way. I don't know the entire story because you don't have you have bits and pieces of different video. But there's clearly a situation of police brutality in America in some way. And it's not every case that you see, like I, I've been very honest when I talk about police brutality with some cases that got out of control last year. You're looking for you're looking for a reason to riot every chance you get, but now it's not about police brutality; it's about racism, and that was not the place where I wanted to go with that. But then you have, but I'm okay. Like I said, I'm okay with the. Sports figures doing that and saying, you know, standing up and and making those points that they're making. But it gets political, right? And then you have people that are, you know, in the sports world talking about the election and things of that nature. So you're getting there. So we're slowly getting there. It's only going to get more political. Ten years ago, you would not have heard any politics in sports. But you did have then this is another thing you could call it pol- the pol- politicalization of the uh, sports world because after 9/11 you had to they, the what was it the military started paying NFL football to do the do the national anthem and make it a big gigantic spectacle of patriotism right if that's not making the sports world political i don't know what is Literature, Of course we have it now, but literature right now, I mean, you're having to cancel culture within literature, right? So on that side, they're saying, oh, you need to get rid of Dr. Seuss books because there's a drawing of a traditional Asian person in there or something. So yeah, they've done that. And then with the arts, I mean, it's only going that direction, right? It really is slowly but surely under the banner of patriotism under the banner of making America better under the and and that and better is up to the listener right that's very subjective you can say make America great again and if somebody's listening to that there's different interpretations for every single person but we're going down that road we have a medium-sized lie right now in that sense right we don't have the big lie. We have the medium-sized lie. The press and the government, they do certain things to scare people into supporting the government, don't they? They do. They, they, they try to scare you into supporting the government. How did they do that in the past? Think about it. You're going to support whatever the government does because there was a big terrorist bombing of the World Trade Centers and terrorists flew airplanes into the world trade center and into the pentagon they attacked our country these terrorists they were muslim extremists and what did that do to every person in america after that i remember being scared of muslims i remember i literally remember after 9-11 thinking that all muslims were terrorists and obviously i knew better than it wasn't all muslims were terrorists but There was that little bit of skepticism, right? There was that little bit of worry. And, uh, that if you're talking to a Muslim, that they just might be, might be a terrorist. Who knows? Not that I was talking to a lot of Muslims. I didn't know a lot of Muslims at the time. But then you watch, you know, shows like 24 and things like that. And you were scared of Muslims. I don't know if you were, but there was a general feeling in the world that people were a little bit, worried about muslims and it wasn't just the ones over in other countries like you would think okay it's okay to go bomb those iraqis because they're muslim it's okay to go bomb those afghanis they're muslim it's okay so it dehumanizes those people right but you support your government what's doing because of that. that's one example of the government doing certain things to scare people into supporting the government. Now the government didn't go and bomb the World Trade Center. I don't I'm I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they do certain things after the fact to make that hap- make you support them. And now we're supposed to be afraid of domestic terrorists, guys. After this whole thing happened, you know, over in on January 6th. Now we're supposed to be afraid of domestic terror terrorists and those are white supremacist militia groups, right? Don't join a white supremacist supremacist militia group. Don't become, don't even join a militia group because they might be a white supremacist group. Oh, by the way, they've linked those into being Trump supporters now, right? So Trump supporters are those militia groups. Just like they made all Muslims the enemy, they're trying to make all Trump supporters the enemy in that sense. And that's where we're going. So there is a little bit of that desire to have that totalitarian control in America. So that's all I wanted to talk about today guys. I just want you to be on guard and be aware of what what they're saying and what's going on because there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty out there. There's a lot of wonder of where this new administration is going to go with all of this political correctness and this um and political correctness is such a word from the 90s isn't it? Political correctness is one of those words that you would hear in the 90s, but nowadays it's more of the um, of the cancel culture that you have so uh, but that's what I really wanted to talk about today and I uh, just wanted to uh, bring you guys a great show. I didn't really talk a too much about the news so I do apologize. Uh, I know I'm supposed to talk about Meghan Merkel and all the all the big uh, interview that she had with. Oprah Winfrey or some crap, but uh, that's what they're talking about on the news anyway, but yeah, I wasn't going to talk about that, (laughs) I can't talk about that Um, I empathize with people when I hear their stories, but there's always two sides to every story as well and I'd probably empathize with with the other person's story also, so um, that's why, I mean it's just her story, and it's just the way you guys don't care about that I I won't even pretend that you guys care about that so, (laughs) I know that um uh, we are all high information high information people that are listening to this show and I appreciate my high inf- in information listeners give other people the information uh by sharing the show you could also uh, give me a five star rating on uh on your Apple podcast app and uh I would appreciate that five star ratings and reviews are helpful but uh keep on coming back though I do appreciate you and um, I'll look forward to you know, put on another show next week. So you have clear vision for 2020. Oh, not clear vision for 2020. That was last year's model. clear vision for 2021. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life. And I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism. And if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. And you could do that by going to IonTheEmpire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to I on the Empire dot com slash liberty.